Well, good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. Uh, great to be in worship together with you this morning. Would you please stand and let's go say the Apostles' Creed together. This is who we are. This is what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to everyone, uh, our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as those of you who have joined us online today. We're so glad you could be here. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm uh, Joe Greer. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, Pastor Mark regrets he couldn't be here this morning. Uh, he was getting ready to board his plane yesterday in Richmond, Virginia to take off. And the engine failed in the plane before he took off, which is a good thing. And so he wasn't able to get back in time. And so he sends his apologies, and I'm here. So I found out at 4 o'clock last night that I was supposed to preach today. Whoopee! Uh, it's, it's, one of the, well, it's one of the advantages of having been in the ministry for a number of years. You always have one in your back pocket somewhere. A sermon, that is. So... Uh, Glad you're here. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Um, today, we are sending off our six Transition One students to their foreign destinations for the next three months. Uh, Kayla is going to Guatemala to serve with Hands of Compassion Children's Home. Maya, McKenna, Gabriela, Gwen, and Bryce are all going to South Africa to serve at Pastor Gary Rivas's church, Grace Point, in Johannesburg, South Africa. I know it's going to be a great, fantastic adventure. Yeah, a great adventure for these guys. And for sure, they will never be the same. So I want to share a little bit about Transition One this morning and maybe give you some scriptural background here why we're doing this. Paul the Apostle wrote to Timothy. He said this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Solomon the king observed this, better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. And again, Solomon in Proverbs, at the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. So Solomon saw both. He saw a poor but wise youth, and he saw a youth who had no sense. Uh, believe it or not, they existed then, and they exist now. <laughs> and uh, our program hopefully offers students to be that wise young youth, okay? Uh, we are offering this program, Transition One, for those of you who don't know about us. Uh, it is for students between the uh, years of 18 and 23, this gives them the opportunity to take a year off uh, from college studies or careers in order to grow deeper in their faith and to learn important life skills. 
how to do marriage and dating the right way, and of course, how to grow deeper in their faith, uh, and such as budget, things like budgeting and leadership and employment skills. Uh, and so all of this stuff. And we talk about things like apologetics, uh, which is the study of how to defend your faith to those who don't believe. Missions, then how to uh, take the gospel, to re- uh, make the gospel relevant, I'm sorry, in a foreign setting. Emotional health and discipleship. The importance of understanding spiritual authority and how to properly relate to authority figures on the job and in the church. We go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and learn the importance of budgeting. Pastor Mark comes in and shares with the students how to be successful in dating and sex and marriage. We have outside speakers come in who share with us everything from the importance of the church, uh, successful employment skills, to the unique opportunities available uh, to those who are interested in serving in urban missions in the United States. Also, during this classroom time in Green Bay, The students serve as interns here at the church, uh, helping in every department in Green Bay and at our two campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. Also this year, our students helped at Habitat for Humanity, Paul's Pantry, Freedom House, and tutored third and fourth grade students uh, at Lincoln Elementary School in Green Bay. Now, they're getting ready to head out overseas. During their time overseas, they will serve in ministries that have been going strong for many years. Guatemala, Kayla will be helping out Dave and Deborah Reichert at the children's homes that they head up. And at Pastor Gary's church in Johannesburg, they will serve as interns in programs that they sponsor in the public schools among the children there. It's going to be a real busy time for everybody, but a huge opportunity. And uh, they are really, that's all the students can talk about for the last month. We'll get in class, and I'm trying to nail down something, and they're going, yeah, but Pastor Joe, what about this in Guatemala? What about that in Johannesburg and this and that? So they're pumped. Okay, so one of the rationale, be, uh, one rationale behind why we've started Transition One, 80% of graduating high school seniors from evangelical backgrounds leave their faith and forego church attendance by the end of their freshman year in college. When the number is that high... You have, you have to wonder how effective the church has been in helping teenagers and young adults grow in their faith and in deepening their commitment to Christ. It also calls into question our message and our method. What are we telling young adults about the meaning of Christianity? Are we teaching that Christianity is just one possible philosophy on a list of many other options? Or are we helping them to understand this is it, guys? This is the only way to God, the only way that people can be saved. Are we really challenging them to to go do something for Jesus? Or is that also an option? Those of you who are in high school, how do you understand your faith walk? How important is it to you? Would you be willing to stand up for what you believe? In the grand plan of your life, where does Jesus Christ fit in, if at all? Another question, high schoolers, do you feel prepared to go forward? Do you feel that if a professor at college or a coworker on the job challenged you concerning your belief that you'd be able to give a good answer, or would you allow yourself to be intimidated into silence? All over the world, every day, every hour, young adults face these kinds of decisions. Will I give myself to something that I feel is going to change the world? 
Or am I more interested in financial security and comfort? Am I an entrepreneur who will rise to a challenge and take risks? Am I a world changer, ready to serve humanity in some capacity? Or will I remain content doing little to influence anyone toward the kingdom of God and changing nothing for the better? Billy Graham shared this letter decades ago. It was written uh, by an American college student who had been converted to communism in Mexico. Communism, not Christianity. The purpose of his letter was to explain to his fiancée why he had to break off their engagement. He wrote, We communists have a high casualty rate. We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. But there's one thing in which I am in dead earnest, and that is the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife and mistress, my bread and meat. I work at it in the daytime and I dream of it at night. Its hold on me grows, not lessens, as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas, and if necessary, I am ready to go before a firing squad. A couple of years ago, three American girls from Denver, ages 15, 15, and 17, were captured in Germany before getting on a flight to Turkey in order to join ISIS terrorists in Syria. The oldest girl told her father that she was going to go to the library, borrowed the car, and then they just disappeared. A former CIA operative described why so many teenagers and young adults are leaving the security of their homeland to join ISIS. He said it's more than just a radical interpretation of Islam that is drawing teens to this extremely bloodthirsty military group, a former CIA officer says. They're oftentimes searching for an identity because what the jihadists are actually pushing is a specific narrative, which is your people, the Muslims, are being oppressed in this place called Syria. Your government is doing nothing. We're the only ones who are actually going to help you out. Why don't you join the fight? Richard Barrett of the Sufan Group says, many of the teens lack a sense of belonging where they live, and they believe that ISIS can give it to them. The general picture provided by foreign fighters of their lives in Syria suggests camaraderie, good morale, and purposeful activity, all mixed in with a sense of understated heroism, designed to attract their friends as well as to boost their own self-esteem. Do you see how similar the descriptions are between the desires of this communist youth in Mexico I just quoted and the Muslim girls who headed for ISIS? They're just the same. 
There's no difference. Communism and Islam offered purpose and change and camaraderie and the idea that what they were doing was going to make a better world. Here's where I believe we miss it. We're afraid to raise the bar too high because we don't want to scare our kids off from Christianity. So we offer entertainment, fellowship, fun, some biblical teaching, but the challenge to change the world remains unspoken. Muslims, Mormons, communists, gay pride movement, conservative, <coughs> excuse me, progressive political parties, everyone offers radical change and great challenge to young adults who are willing to sacrifice whatever is necessary. Everyone, it seems, is willing to challenge, but not the church. We don't want to offend anybody. Teachers and young adults. Teachers. I'm not talking to teachers. I'm talking to teenagers. I misread my notes. <laughs> teenagers and young adults. Please listen. You think you're being sent out to accomplish something on a college campus to prepare for your careers, to make a living. Here's what's really going on, you guys. You're actually being sent into a battlefield and into the heat of a war that has been raging for centuries. You will be facing an enemy who hates you and wants to destroy you. He will use any means necessary to do so, including but not limited to moral intimidation from fellow college students or co-workers, intellectual intimidation from college professors, the seduction of fear leading to preoccupation, worry with preparing for future financial well-being, distractions, lots of distractions in the form of political, artistic, religious, intellectual, scientific, athletic, and sexual forces introduced only for the purpose of devaluing in your mind your need for a close personal walk with Jesus Christ. You're already being exposed to that very battle in high school. It's about to become much more intense, and you may not be fully prepared to face it. You think that you can't make a difference, high schoolers. You think that, but you can the powerful religious people of Jerusalem underestimated Jesus and his disciples. He began his ministry in obscurity, nowheresville. He called his disciples and trained them in obscurity. Nobody saw it. Most of his miracles and teacher, teaching were done in out-of-the-way places. He was only in ministry for three and a half years. He started with just 12 working-class blue-collar guys. And yet, he changed the world. By the time they hit their apex in Jerusalem and then in Asia, the disciples were known everywhere. And we know that because of what is said by the non-Christian people in Acts chapter 17, verses 6 and 7. These men, referring to the disciples, who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. This was in Thessalonica. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. They really were turning things upside down. Students, 
What do you want? Do you really want soft and easy? Or is something in you saying that there's a greater life than soft and easy? I believe I know what your gut is telling you, that there's an adventure waiting for you out there. You just don't know where it is yet. I was 23 years old when I first went to Europe to share the good news of Jesus. I was given responsibility for a team of 50 young people like me, and I had to preach in evangelism meetings every night wherever we settled. Gothenburg, Sweden, Amsterdam, Holland, Helsinki, Finland, Rome, Italy, other places. I'm not saying it was easy, but we took it one day at a time. We learned as we went along. We kept things simple, and we shared Christ's love with anybody who would listen. I shared many of our missionary stories this past Wednesday night at Bible study, and uh, those of you who were here learned about what kind of adventures we had, <laughs> our hair-raising adventures, sometimes from our own stupidity. And, uh, but for most of us in that group, for most of us, that experience came before college, and in some cases, instead of college. Some of us stayed in ministry. Some of us went on to study for the ministry. Either way, because we put Christ first at our age, God honored our sacrifice with incredible personal fulfillment and saved us from the heartache of making poor moral and financial choices as young adults. Many of my friends from those years have gone on to incredibly successful careers in ministry all over the world. Others have gone on to great careers outside of ministry. And they've raised families and have been active in their churches. And now, most of us are grandparents. And we experience great satisfaction at having done life the right way. Putting God first and letting him give you that plan. It really does work when you do it his way. This year, we have had an incredible group of students who have also chosen to do life the right way. They've worked hard in this school, Transition One, serving here at church, studying hard in class, praying for and encouraging each other through very difficult trials and tribulations. They will tell you that this family of classmates will be their forever family, some of their closest friends. They will tell you that this has been an incredible challenge and they have risen to that challenge by the grace of God that they've already accomplished things that they never dreamed were possible. They know that from now on, if God is guiding, they can do anything that he places in their path. I'd like to share a few quotes in closing this morning from missionary biography reports that they just finished. Their assignment was to begin reading the biography of a famous missionary throughout this semester and then write a 2,000-word report, and then present that in class. They all achieved straight A's on their reports. Their biographies were about George Mueller, the founder and director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England in the 19th century, Amy Carmichael, missionary to Japan and India, and founder of the Donover Fellowship and Orphanage in Tamil Nadu State, India, Jim Elliott, missionary to Ecuador in the 1950s, who was martyred along with his missionary co-workers while ministering to the Aka Indians. Don Richardson, who authored the book Peace Child, 
the account of his ministry to cannibalistic tribes in New, Papua New Guinea in the 50s and 60s, and William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army and the beginning of his ministry to the poor in the slums of 19th century London. Gwen, one of our students, shared what she learned about prayer from George Mueller. No one should expect to see much good resulting from his labors if he does not spend time in prayer and meditation. This quote made me realize that no matter how busy my life may become, nothing is more important than setting aside time for quiet with God because his relationship with me is his main concern. God loves to send answers to our prayers that will benefit us in his glory, which is a great reminder to not be afraid to ask for things that he would take delight in giving to me. This has elevated my prayer life to a whole new level. Some of the major suggestions that I have been applying to my prayer life are the following. God, to incline the hearts of people to send help, to give God reasons why he should answer my prayer and expect answers. Also, I have been encouraged to start praying for the conversion of sinners so God can use me as an instrument of conversion more often. I remind myself that God is listening, which helps me to focus on him more and consciously remind myself that I am not just talking to a wall. Gabriella learned this from Jim Elliott. I have been more motivated to be more brave with my faith like Jim Elliott was. I want to learn how to tell people about God without having any fear in what's going to happen, no matter where I go, whether it's here in the States or on the mission field in South Africa. Even when it gets a little scary, just like Amy Carmichael said, he hath never failed thee yet, never will his love forget. O fret not thyself, nor let thy heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it's time to stop being afraid. Go Gabby. Gabby learned about the importance of journaling since we read from our prayer journals every day in Transition 1 in the class. Jim Elliott also kept a prayer journal and he said, or Gabby said, I learned how powerful your journal filled with life lessons can be and what you get from the Bible can be so very powerful. McKenna shared what she learned from Amy Carmichael. One of the major things I learned about Amy's character was that she did everything out of love. Love for God and love for his creation. And, and McKenna quoted from Amy Carmichael's book, So your path with its unexplained sorrow or turmoil and mine with its sharp flints and briars and both our paths with their unexplained perplexity, their sheer mystery, they are his paths on which he will show himself loving and faithful. Nothing else, nothing less. Maya shared this from Peace Child by Don Richardson. I have many important takeaways from this book. Truly, anything is possible when God is on your side. You can trust and rely on him for anything that you need. You need to do things that make you uncomfortable if you want to grow, especially in your faith. You can't let fear stop you. You can pray about it and trust God to help you through it. I am motivated to work harder to be more open, to be kinder, and to have more patience. To trust God with every single ounce of my heart. I want to serve God in any way possible, even behind the scenes, dirty, uneventful, 
scary, not so glamorous. Any act of service makes him smile. In tough or intimidating situations, you need to stand up for your beliefs. Speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. Kayla shared about Amy Carmichael. Amy has inspired me to be more courageous and fearless, to take more risks within reason and get out of my comfort zone. She has inspired me to pray more and that no prayer is too small and insignificant. I need to be more open to God's answers, whatever they are, that God has a perfect timing for everything and that it might be different than my timing. God has everything under control. I wish that I could describe to you the change that has happened in each one of these students over the year. The spiritual growth, the emotional growth, the disciplines that they have welcomed into their lives, and their hard work at everything that we've put in front of them. I'd also like to give a huge shout out to uh, our Transition One intern, Elizabeth Schomer, who was incredible in helping me get things done on time and in the right way. She, too, has done a gap year program. She worked out the scheduling for us, did a lot of the teaching and mentoring of the individual students. She and Luke Hoppy, Luke is our intern in Appleton, uh, partnered together in leading a great student retreat in September. And because Elizabeth is a great people person, she organized and led much of the fun stuff that we did together. And so, Elizabeth, you were my champion this year. Thank you. Let's have a big hand for Elizabeth. And uh, whether you're just finding out about our gap year program, this may be the first time you've ever heard of it, or whether you already are familiar with what we're doing, please take a moment and consider how you could get involved. Number one, if you have a student ready to graduate from high school this year or next year, please consider Transition One before signing up for college. If you've already done that and you've been accepted at a college or you've been awarded a scholarship, know this, most colleges and universities will hold your acceptance and scholarship for one year if they know that you're going to do a gap year program like ours. Number two, if you live in the Green Bay area, we always need host homes for out-of-town students, so please pick up a host home application at the Transition One table in the lobby this morning or contact me. We are expecting several students from out of state this coming fall, California, Arizona, Alaska, Kansas, Missouri. So we're going to need your help. Third, if you can help out with scholarship money, we also have a pamphlet at that table describing our need. Each year, your generosity has helped lift some of the financial burden off of our Transition One students. We will apply 100% of your contribution toward a student's tuition. And finally, please consider going along with a team of students next February as a chaperone to their mission's destinations. This year, we have three members of our congregation going to South Africa to help our T1 group get settled in Johannesburg. Awesome. So right now, I would like to invite our T1 class up to the front so we can pray over you guys before we... They head out to South Africa and Guatemala. And as they're coming up, uh, we'd like to share this video with you of their year together.
Pastor Latham, would you like to come up and pray, help us pray for them this morning? And Elizabeth will join us in prayer for the students. Would you all join us now as, as we pray for them, sending them off? They'll be leaving Thursday for South Africa and for Guatemala. And so they certainly need your prayers for the next three months. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for these students this morning. We just pray your blessing on each one of them today as they prepare to get ready to go. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness that they've shown, the commitment they've shown to you. Thank you, Lord God, for the growth that they've gone through this year as they've grown in their spiritual faith, grown in their emotional strength, and Lord God, in their love for one another and for you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for, their, for your great love for them. And now I just pray that you'd fully reveal it to each one of them again in a new and fresh way as they go out from us. And Lord God, certainly they know that they'll be in our hearts and in our prayers every day. Bless them, protect them, watch over them. Give them your strength and your health every second of every day. 
Lord, may they be a tremendous source of blessing to everybody that they touch and encounter over there. And God, that uh, other lives will be touched and changed because these guys have sacrificed their time to go there. We just lift them all up to you, Lord, and we ask you to bless them today and their outgoing from us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you, guys.